You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Hey, listeners, I really appreciate you tuning in to my podcast. Please remember, if you're listening on iTunes, to give us a good five-star rating. And if you're listening in on other platforms, throw in some great comments below. We really appreciate all the support. Now on to the podcast. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. My name is Stacey Broadwell. I will be your host. And today we have with us Ms. Candace Taylor. She is the Director of Recruiting at Chow Now. Welcome, Ms. Candace Taylor. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in what you're doing there at Chow Now. Tell us a little bit about your role and tell us about Chow Now. Yeah, of course. Uh, so Chow Now, we were founded in 2011. We're headquartered here in Los Angeles and uh, just recently opened a regional office in Kansas City. And uh, our mission as a company is to help local restaurants set, as uh, simple as that. And what we provide is online and mobile ordering for restaurants that enable them to streamline their, their takeout business while keeping their brand at the, the forefront. Uh, we also offer branded marketing. Uh, we make it really easy for consumers to order uh, via Facebook. Uh, we've recently integrated with Google as well uh, and uh, provide a, a branded mobile app to, to restaurants so that um, uh, users can uh, order directly from the restaurant and power that on the back end. A uh, little bit about my role at, at Chow Now and the, the director here. I was actually hired on as the first in-house recruiter almost four years ago and uh, have had the honor to basically be handed the keys to our recruiting function. So my job is to ensure that we are developing a, a really you know, strong uh, recruiting strategy that's going to attract top talent that really exhibits our core values as well as uh, provide a world-class candidate experience. I, I love that you were the first recruiter with Chow Now. Um, you've been there four years, you said. So when you joined, were what was the what was the catalyst for their hi their hiring you? Was there a recruiter in the seat before? Were they contracting out? Kind of what did you step into? Yeah, it was it was a really interesting uh, 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 time to join the company. There there were no recruiters in house. Uh, they really did not have any strategy in place in regards to how they hire. Um, I think they had worked with a couple of agencies that were uh, focusing on sales, and then of course you know network referrals. Um, no applicant tracking system. They were actually using Podio, which is a project management tool uh, to to manage candidates. Uh, so. Uh, basically, my, my job was to do some needs analysis and just step right into both recruiting for every role within the company, as well as starting to build a strategy around how we hire. What an amazing opportunity. I, I see, I, I'm kind of like thinking of how I would step into something like that and you get, they didn't have a system. There was no, they were using a project management tool. So you got to actually bring in a new applicant tracking system. and. Uh, tell me about like how did what did you bring in something that you used before and you liked or did you do some research and try to go for something new what was that like yeah uh, so I've, I've actually always worked for recruiting organizations that are mammoth organizations um, already have tools in place I came from Amazon prior to coming into to chow now so uh, 
we didn't really, we weren't empowered to move the needle when it came to systems and processes. Uh, so this was a new experience for me. I, we identified a, a few different platforms, uh, one of which actually our CEO recommended, which is what we use um, today, Lever. Uh, uh, Lever has a, a female founder uh, from San Francisco. They are really paving the way in regards to how they look at talent acquisition. And it was really just a no brainer for us. And um, we've been using Lever since October of 2015. So you were you were at Amazon for several years, um, and and I could see that that would be um, a, it's such a large company, and you're just doing your recs and you're doing things with no like real way to step into having some strategy. And was that something that you when you made the move you were looking for you or and you were kind of searching, like, I wish I had something more meaty. I want to, I want to develop the strategy. I want to make an impact or how, were you looking for that or did it just come to you? Honestly, no, I was not looking for that. I, I was, I was really looking for an opportunity to, to work at a company that, you know, had a really, a really strong mission and strong values that was kind of smaller stage where I could uh, have more impact, you know, at the executive level. But I, I had no idea when I went through the um, interview process that I was going to be the one that was defining the strategy. And I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Uh, but one thing about our company is that our executive team really empowers you to take ownership of the work you do uh, and are there to provide tools to ensure that you, know, you, you do have the support. Uh, me coming in as the probably the most knowledgeable person in the company about recruiting, they were leaning on me, um, and you know they they gave a lot of trust in me to make the right decisions for the company, and that's a lot of um, uh, pressure. But it's also you know it's something that um, being at the helm of a company's success in recruiting, you you don't take that lightly. So um, I've I've been really thoughtful in my research and how we've approached building a, a recruiting framework. And our CEO, Chris, I, I report directly to him and, and he has um, been amazing at, you know, uh, giving me this opportunity as I grow. Um, the, one of the reasons I, I originally, I originally reached out to you was because I had seen your job descriptions and I love them. And I had reached out to you because I said, can I talk to you about how you develop these? And one of my, one of my favorite people, as everybody knows, is, is Lou Adler. I, I, I love some of the strategies he has. I, I feel like he has sets a good barometer. And one of the things he, he says is that you hire performance-based, you hire on performance versus skills. And mm -hmm. this opportunity that I feel you were presented with was one to really stretch your, your and, and have new opportunities and do something more. And, and they entrusted you to do that. It's not something you, you did before, if, if, I, if I'm hearing correctly. And you got this opportunity. So that had to have been, um, I think it's really cool that they entrusted that to you and that you accepted it. It must have been a little nervous or were you excited initially? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely excited. Um, uh, we recently actually just did a, a women's empowerment summit here at Chow Now, uh, where uh, anyone who identifies, you know, as any gender was, was invited. It was sponsored by Chow Now. And one of the things that we talked about was imposter syndrome, which is something that we've all experienced, uh, not just women. And uh, 
that was that was a reality, right? You're you're given an opportunity. It's something that you are it's the unknown. And uh, uh, you know, I, I definitely felt I'm not equipped to do this, or uh, you know, I can't believe they're trusting me to do this. But uh, if you look at almost our entire leadership in the organization, this we're all growing together. Uh, this is some, something that none of us have done historically, and we're leaning on each other. And we have a lot of support within the organization, and we have something called directors discuss here. That is a, a monthly meeting where all the directors get together uh, just to, you know, share any sort of bottlenecks we're experiencing, challenges, or even if we feel like, you know, we have something that's important that we need to take to the executive table, we're all kind of armed together making that happen. And, and that's how we were able to incorporate our core values as a company. Uh, it was a conversation that stemmed from our, our directors meeting and just the executive team were completely bought in and, and trusted us. And, so we're all growing together and uh, we have a really low attrition at our company. And I think a large part of that is because our executive team trusts us. I, I love how you identified this feeling I was sort of having this, um, this imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like, were you nervous? Were you excited? This is a new role. And, and why have that? You should be excited. This new challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. when you did this empowerment summit was what advice do you give women who are looking to take that next step and looking for this challenge, but they're held back by thinking, Oh, that imposter syndrome. Do you have any advice for somebody in that, that position? Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I think that's really important, especially when you're in a, a, a startup environment where you know, maybe uh, you don't have others around you that can really teach you or, or help you understand, you know, what should I do in this situation is find a mentor. It doesn't need to be somebody that's in the company. Find a mentor that's, you know, outside of the organization that you can look to for, for guidance. Um, I know for me that's, that's really helped me as I continue to grow. Um, I also think that we, we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the work that we do and focus more on what I'm not doing right when there's so much that, that you are doing right. So um, another piece of advice I would have is just write down things that you do that make an impact. For me, I have a, a, a folder in my inbox that's just uh, uh, specific to compliments. And if I'm having a bad day, I'll go and I'll look in that folder. And I have dozens of emails from people that have joined our company that uh, thank me for, for giving them that opportunity. And that's something that in recruiting, like we are, changing lives and it's a really big role to be in uh, so that that's my piece of advice is just go back to those you know those compliments that you've received and it will really pick you up those are great tips so find a mentor and focus on the positive have a set of compliments that you can readily get to in the time of crisis <laughs> rather than a piece of pie or something, right? <laughs> exactly. Is, those are all really good tips. I, and I love that the company embraces that. Um, so I want to get to that a little bit, but first I want to back up just a moment and ask you, how did you get into recruiting? Was this something that you planned to always want to do? You wanted, you studied human resources or what was your career path like? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I feel like I have never met 
anyone, at least at my age level and above, that has said, I want to be a recruiter one day. Um, I think it's becoming a more crucial role that uh, uh, people I talk to when I'm hiring for my team, they, they are like, yes, I, I knew I wanted to be a recruiter. But for me, it, it really wasn't as, um, as, as scoped out as it is today. Uh, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. I was kind of a art and music hipster, but always wanted to be an artist. Um, uh, surrounding myself with, you know, music. I was very into the Riot Girl music scene um, and studied art, uh, installation art in college and um, never expected I was going to be in any type of HR recruiting role. Uh, my mom was a single mom who uh, uh, really, you know, was kind of tasked to take care of three daughters and she was in HR. Um, and something about my mom is that she just really instilled this like high professionalism and work ethic in each of us that um, I didn't really realize I had until I entered the professional space. And I've always kind of just climbed a ladder um, naturally, not necessarily wanting to. Um, and I think it's really just my kind of my professionalism, the way that I speak to others. I sort of got, I don't want to say pigeonholed, but sort of pigeonholed into recruiting. I, I was working uh, for a staffing agency on the HR side and I was tapped on the shoulder by uh, the, the, the VP in that office asking me to please try recruiting. Um, and that's how I started. I started in the agency space and really loved kind of uh, the puzzle and the research that went into identifying talent for opportunities where in the agency space, you really don't have any insight into the role. You get that one intake meeting and then you're off to the races. Uh, so I realized fairly quickly that I wanted to be in the corporate space where I could actually see the impact of the hires that I'm making, because uh, that's the most rewarding thing to me. Um, and I'm here today. I, I love the work that I do. And, uh, um, you know, I'm still able to, to flex the, the music and the art, uh, you know, creative piece. But this is where I'm meant to be right now. Okay, you, you skipped some parts. I'm <laughs> it, you're at an agency. And mm -hmm. where'd you go from there? To Amazon? Yeah, I went to Amazon. Okay. So tell me about that. Did you apply? Did they reach out to you? How did, how did that come about? Yeah, uh, so I had actually, I was living in Portland, Oregon, um, and decided that I was going to move closer to family to Seattle. Uh, and I was lucky enough, that they, they um, transferred me to the, the regional office in Seattle, and I was um, recruiting for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, through the company I was working for. And uh, I got tapped on the shoulder, funny enough, by an agency uh, to, to, to join uh, Amazon. And uh, you don't say no to Amazon when they call. So uh, I, I took the conversation and, and uh, met with the team. And uh, it was, it was a, a really great opportunity to enter into to the corporate world. So I've heard from other internal recruiters that the, um, the amount of training is like months it is, it's a lot to consume. I don't know if that's changed or if it's always been that way. Was that the case for you? Um, not necessarily. Uh, they did have, you know, a pretty robust onboarding and uh, the way that they designed their training, it was actually, it was pretty cool because it allowed you to uh, opt in to training. So you could sign up for different uh, training modules kind of on, on your own time because we all have hiring goals that we need to make and it's, quick, uh, fast paced. So that enabled, you know, us to really flex uh, our time and make sure that we were hitting our hiring goals while still getting that learning and development. 
did you work with, did they separate it like you had a sorcerer supporting you and then you were doing recruitment or did you do yes. that? I, so I actually, I was doing just sourcing when I was uh, within the organization. I, I didn't do full desk. Uh, it was designed where you had um, sourcers, you had coordinators, and then you had the client lead. And the client lead was really kind of taking the candidate uh, from like once they get to the um, like the, the pre on site and then getting them over the finish line to, to offer. And I left before I even entered that space and I stepped right into it at Chow Now. So three separate roles of the sorcerer, the recruiter, and then the client lead. That's, it's just interesting. Yeah, it was sorcerer, client lead, and recruiting coordinator. And coordinator. Yep. yep. Uh, it's just interesting because I've kind of been in this space where like just looking at different ways that companies set up their recruitment processes. As you know, I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Um, right. But I find it really interesting when you hit that mark of, okay, we're going to separate the full desk recruitment and split into two and, and just the dynamic of working in that environment and that team together with the source or recruiter. And, um, and then just the sourcing in general, just the research, it's just an amazing, I, I don't, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dean DaCosta, who's going to be speaking he spoke at our last conference and he's going to be speaking at the one you'll be speaking at and his sourcing tools because he just does sourcing blew me away to just the sourcing role itself oh um, yeah so, there's definitely a science to it I, it's i've met sourcers that can find a needle in a haystack and it's amazing sorry my dog <laughs> uh, okay so, so then you're, then you join Chow Now and you get this opportunity to make this impact. You, and you came in, did you come in initially as a, the sole recruiter and you were just doing recruitment and then you, you brought in the, the technologies? How, how did that kind of go about? And did they have the, the expectations set out for you when you first joined? No. <laughs> No, uh, I, they just, they needed someone to, to take, take, to help hire that. I mean, that they were, that was ultimately the role. They needed somebody that was going to help with the hiring. And, um, I think they realized pretty quickly when I looked at what they had in place that, 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 that there was a lot of work to do and I was willing to roll up my sleeves and do it. And they were willing to allow me to do that. So, um, it, there was no expectation to find. I was actually hired as a sales recruiter and um, I was hiring for, I was the staff recruiter. I was hiring for every role in the company. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We're, we're going to talk about the job descriptions too. Cause I, I have that, I had that thought because if you know, and I, I, I love that stellar job description description that says these, this is what's expected or what you'll be doing in the first month the first six months, the first year. And um, if you're a startup and you're like, well, we, <laughs> we need help. I don't know what they'll be doing. We want them to help us uh, figure it out. Um, and, and then what, what do you do in, in that regard? I guess you'll have the skills-based um, uh, you know, job description. So when, like I was mentioning before, one of the things I was most impressed with uh, Chow Now is their job descriptions, how it had that, the, the, expectations for the 30 days, the 60 days. And tell us about, tell us about that. Tell me about your job descriptions and how you put them together. Cause you could probably 
describe it better than myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I'll just give a little bit more insight into like uh, the, the, our team when we made the decision to um, implement these, these job profiles. It was a really lean team. Um, you know, as mentioned, it was, it was just myself um, in recruiting. And then uh, we brought on a head of people, uh, Mike Ganino. He was a uh, restaurant consultant for us, um, and he does a lot of public speaking coaching. Uh, uh, he joined the, the people and culture team, and it was just the two of us. Uh, basically, you know, making decisions about everything when it comes to culture, talent acquisition. And uh, we realized we weren't really getting the right candidates that were coming into the top of the funnel. Uh, you know, we had sort of basic job descriptions, generic laundry list of requirements. Probably many of those requirements weren't actually requirements. They were more, um, you know, uh, uh, deal makers in a sense. Uh, so, so we strategized, you know, how can, how can we make these more impactful and, and how can we really focus on getting talent that is going to uh, exhibit, you know, our core values to, to really keep reaching and uh, uh, to raise the bar within the organization. And um, uh, ultimately, we decided that we wanted to revamp our job profiles to really focus on impact and focus on, on learning and development and also drive how we approach our training, how we approach performance reviews so we can actually set an expectation of this is the impact you're going to make. And uh, we split it into uh, 30, 60, 90, and 12 months. Um, and for me personally, I know that when I'm doing performance reviews or one-on-ones, I can go directly back to that job profile and I can check to see, okay, are they making this impact? If not, am I not providing the training that I should be training? And um, that's really had a, a positive impact on how we drive performance conversations. Um, I read a, st a statistic, I think it's like 72% of hiring managers say that they're providing clear job descriptions and 36% of candidates say that they're actually provided with them. Uh, so, you know, I think being intentional in, in how you write a job profile, it, it really does go a long way. Um, uh, my team, uh, when they jump on those, those uh, recruiter screens, more often than not, candidates are, are calling out our job descriptions and, and telling us that that's what made them click apply. Um, it's a candidate's market, so we have to do everything we can to stand out and make sure that we're attracting talent that's going to thrive. And um, the job description, that is basically marketing the job, and that's where we started. It, you guys did a really good job of that. And it's, I've never, I've never heard that tie-in where you discuss, you have the, it's a, it's, the performance review. So when you're actually writing out that job profile, um, you have that long-term vision in mind that we're going to have these performance reviews and we're going to refer back to the job, which makes sense. I mean, as we're talking about it, it just sounds like, oh, well, duh. However, right. I don't, I, I feel that when you join a, 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 a company, oftentimes you can look at the job description and it doesn't really say, okay, we're going to be talking about this later um, and, and being held to that. So I love that. Um, there's also that whole um, idea now where, where data is so available to companies and being able to pull that real-time data, whether it's in surveys or in performance reviews, into the company to make decisions in going forward, especially with hiring. Um, and, and maybe that, that is a little bit off the top, but I'm curious, do you guys do anything with your performance reviews um, in regards to utilizing that data for hiring? 
Yeah, uh, so we actually implemented OKRs. Are you familiar with OKRs? Yeah, yeah. Well, tell our okay. audience what an OKR is. Yeah, so it's basically an objective and a key result. And uh, uh, it, it, it allows each individual to be able to, to track and drive their own performance as it rolls up into, uh, you know, company goals. And um, the, the, the job profile allows us to determine what those OKRs are going to be for each team member. Uh, and, you know, really think strategically about how that's going to drive up into those, you know, quarterly and annual company goals. Uh, we use a platform that helps us kind of track progress and empower our team members to actually uh, write their own OKRs, whether they're career development um, or, you know, they're specific to moving the needle in a process or an efficiency, in addition to the OKRs that we set for them. And they can track those along the way. And that helps us drive conversations in our one-on-ones as well uh, to make sure that, you know, we, we are um, continuing to focus and, and move the needle uh, so that we can see our own personal impact as it relates to the company mission and goals. You mentioned a tool. Is it is it Lever or is it a different tool that you use? Yeah, so we use, it's an employee engagement tool that allows us to, you cut out one second. Did you, what was it called? 15.5. Yes. And 15.5, uh, it's an employee engagement tool that allows you to uh, write performance reviews, uh, allows team members to uh, uh, submit what is called a 15.5 every two weeks so that managers can kind of just check in on not only progress, but just how they're feeling in general, right? If, if somebody's feeling a five out of a 10, that's alarming and we need to get in front of it pretty quickly. Um, and we're moving so quickly as a startup, like just having those, you know, that uh, uh, a formal way to check in is, is really helpful, especially for me because I'm a remote manager and I'm not always there to see how someone's just feeling. Um, you know, on the day to day. It also has a, a, a way where you can give high fives. Sounds kind of cheesy, but uh, it's, it's like a social board where everyone can see, uh, you know, when somebody's recognizing an individual within the company. And, uh, you know, when your head's down and you get a 15 or a high five from someone that's not even on your team, it, it definitely, you know, uh, kind of helps you understand the impact you're making. And, and uh, um, we're, we're a very collaborative company. So um, that's, pretty normal in our organization to get recognized by people outside of your your kind of uh, specific team. I'm curious, how often do you, um, how often do you state, is it daily when you, you give what your mood is? <laughs> do you, when no. you sign on, you're like, I'm a four today out of five. No, but that would be interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> this is a moody girl. <laughs> Right. No, uh, that would definitely be interesting. I'm not sure I, that would be hard to manage uh, <laughs> the emotions of five five different people on my team. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's just biweekly. Do you guys use any other assessment tools for personality with with your team? Since we're talking about uh, managing people and their and their moods. We don't. We don't. Um, we, one thing that I learned, uh, we recently did a manager training for all managers, directors, executives, um, and uh, uh, we talked about a social contract, and that's something that um, I've just recently implemented for new members of the team. And a social contract, like, you know, just, just right off the bat with somebody that's entering the organization, getting an understanding of how, 
how do you best learn? How do you best, uh, you know, get feedback or give feedback? Um, how, how do you like to be communicated with, you know, on the day to day when it comes to like tasks? Because we're all different. And um, I've found that what works for one member of my team does not work for someone else. So just having that transparency early on and having that social contract um, allows us to, you know, um, work together, you know, in a more optimized way. I'm, I'm thinking of, are you married? No. I'm, I'm thinking of this book. It's called The Five Love Languages. And oh. it is, I don't know if you've heard of it. And I've read it. Oh, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, do you like to be given gifts? Do you like compliments? And then you take a test and you give one to your husband. <laughs> you take one. And yep. then you know how to communicate better with each other. Um, is it somewhat similar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we, we're, we work with the people, you know, on our team 40 plus hours a week. So we should probably know how to communicate with each other in a way that's going to be effective. Yeah. You couldn't call it love languages. It had to be <laughs> social. Yeah. Sounds better. We are a pretty touchy feely organization, but we would not go that far. <laughs> um, so are you, are you open to sharing what your, uh, so what your language is? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for me personally, I am pretty, I'm a very direct person. So, uh, you know, I, I set expectations up front. Um, I also, I, I really, really, if someone's going to be communicating with me, I want them to come to me with what they think is going to be the best decision and then I'll give, you know, I'll say yes, or I'll give guidance. Um, I really struggle when I have team members that are just constantly, you know, and it's okay. Like there's a, there's a, a point in time where it's acceptable to ask a lot of questions. And I think questions are great, but I also want my team to feel empowered to understand what they think is the best solution. Right. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give feedback. Um, and I think that's the best way to learn versus just constantly leaning on your manager. Um, so I, I, I instill that pretty early on. And if I am seeing that, I'll push back and say, well, what do you think you should do? <laughs> That's, um, it's really an interesting, it's an interesting topic because the managing people is so hard, as you know, Candace, and you came in as a sole recruiter and then suddenly you're a manager and mm -hmm. you know, not everybody knows how to manage and it's great that you guys had that manager training because it just shows your company's investing in your development, and your growth. But, mm -hmm. um, was, do you, did you find it was difficult initially managing people and did you kind of need to step back and kind of, you know, absorb training or. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I've always been the one that's been driving all of the recruiting efforts for the company. So when I brought on our first hire, you know, I was like very hands-on, uh, uh, with him and, uh, you know, he, 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 he was brought on as a junior sourcer. Um, and it was hard. It was hard to kind of let go, you know, let go of the, the, the work that you're doing. Um, and it, there was a learning curve for me, uh, for that to really trust my team and empower them to make decisions. And I'm still growing in that aspect. And I, I have uh, areas for development for myself, um, but uh, it's been a really good journey and I'm learning how to, 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 to trust and how to empower others and, and really celebrate their successes and, and how it's you know driving success within the company. Um, the trust thing. I'm a 
enjoying this conversation, by the way. Um, Good. I, I think that's my that's my thing. It's so I own process, and mm -hmm. I I get a lot done. And I mm -hmm. when I've worked internally, and I've had a coordinator who screwed up a scheduling or something, I never trusted them again, and I just did it all myself. And that was yep. just me because I I knew because I would I take. Um, ownership of something if it if it goes wrong I don't blame people I, I say well I brought them into the the um, the manage the project you know it's my fault for doing that it's my fault for trusting them that's what I always think and so it's hard for me to trust and let go of of process um, so I'm 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 kind of uh, happy to hear that I'm not the only one who struggles with that um, and that yeah. there's hope there's hope for people who don't trust. <laughs> yeah, um, there is hope. There absolutely is. <laughs> and I think a lot of people have that mentality. And uh, uh, what I've learned is, like, it, if, if anything, you're only going to stifle someone that, that really wants to grow and learn from you if you don't trust them to, to, to do the work. And we're all going to fail. Like, they're, they're, nobody is perfect. We're all going to fail. Uh, what I, if, if I see someone continuously failing and not, you know, implementing the feedback, that's another story. But my team, they are high performers and um, they are thriving in their jobs. And uh, it's just, it's been a really amazing, you know, opportunity to step out of that seat and watch somebody else shine. Um, and when you have, you mentioned another sort of uh, dynamic when somebody is constantly needing that hand holding and and how you can gently push back and and there's this fine line between um, you know being um, not nice to somebody <laughs> or upsetting or hurting their feelings and you you don't want to do that but at the same time I have a workload and we hired you to do this you got your training now like I I can trust you to make these decisions and I trust that you'll make the right one. Um, mm -hmm. and, you, and you said that you have a gentle way of, or you have a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm someone that really focuses on training up front and I'm going to be very hands-on, you know, in those initial weeks, uh, because I, I don't want a, a member of my team to fail. And as you know, in recruiting, we're business partners, right? We're business partners. We have probably more visibility into an organization than any department um, because we are working with every single uh, stakeholder within the company. So uh, for me, you know, I, I really uh, uh, share with my team members up front, you have to invest in the relationships. You are not going to get results without investing in that relationship bucket. So spend time with those hiring managers, get to know them, get to know their personalities, Build that trust, and I promise you, by doing so, you're going to have a lot more flexibility to, you know, uh, recommend a candidate that they might not typically uh, uh, want to talk to, or, uh, you know, be an advisor in those debriefs. And if you see that there's a hiring risk, if you have that trust with your hiring manager and you speak up and say, hey, I hear everyone's feedback, this is my recommendation, they're going to trust you and they're going to they're going to take that that recommendation. So um, that's the biggest key for me is invest in those relationships. And I guarantee you, you'll see better results. Oh, I like that. Uh, tell me a little bit about your team. Uh, what your what your your recruitment team looks like, um, what you're leading and kind of what you're challenged with. 
Yeah. Uh, so right now we have a team actually just hired a third recruiter. Um, Congrats. We have, thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, I brought on our first uh, uh, team member as a junior sourcer. Um, and honestly, it, I, that was the budget that I had. Um, and as a new manager, it was a you know really exciting opportunity to grow someone that's very entry level in their career uh, to uh, now someone that is making several hires per month that are high-performing team members. Um, uh, we have a tech recruiter. He was brought on as a sourcer as well. And I made that decision because I wanted to make sure that I was able to be very hands-on in how we approach candidate experience. So um, I kind of handheld those uh, getting candidates over the finish line. There was a lot of shadowing, uh, you know, two-way shadowing. And um, uh, just recently promoted our tech sourcer into a full cycle uh, position. Um, and then we have a recruiter that's joining us in Kansas City that will be a full cycle recruiter as well. Uh, we have a co one coordinator that supports all three of the, the team members, uh, really driving the um, uh, you know candidate workflow, getting them through the pipeline, and driving candidate experience. Uh, a lot going. Are they all on site? Yes. Uh, so uh, the uh, there are three on site here in LA, and then we have one that will be on site in Kansas City where I, I sit. So uh, dispersed team, but we do uh, morning standups every single day, 10 a.m., where we you know uh, get on a call, talk about priorities, bottlenecks, announcements, and we're constantly communicating throughout the day. So this is probably one of my uh, it's one of my panels actually. Um, at LAX Tech Recruit, even our first one, how to build and scale a talent acquisition team. And mm -hmm. it, 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 was, it was great for the audience for two reasons. One, if you are a recruiter, you want to know, well, what are they looking for? You know, what, what, what's the, the best, what's the DNA of a good recruiter? What are they uh, agency side? Do they come in-house? Um, and then also for the, the peers, the talent acquisition leaders, because they get to um, hear from their peers how they're building teams. Um, so they can also do that. Um, so it's a lot of learning on both sides. But I'm curious, when you were hiring, and you mentioned that you started with a junior sourcer, did you, because you came from the agency side, did you hire from the agency side or, or were they brand new? Uh, he was fairly new. Uh, he, he had, I think he had done an internship and then had a short, uh, uh role as a recruiter. Um, the company, uh, I think they reorganized or, or had a, a layoff. Um, so he was pretty new from scratch. That was, you know, just training somebody from the ground up. Um, our tech recruiter came from the agency side and I preferred that. I wanted somebody that had worked in that high volume, you know, full desk. Uh, well, he actually wasn't full desk, but that high volume role. Uh, that, um, you know, you're, you're going to be comfortable stepping into a company where, you know, you do have a, a fairly high volume of, of a requisition load. But in regards to what I look for in, in recruiters, it's a very emotional role. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And we've all been there when you have somebody that is, has ex verbally accepted and then you get an email that they've declined your offer. It's like the most deflating thing in the world. You're back at square one. Um, so you really have to have the recruiter have like extremely thick skin and grit um, and self-motivation. In addition to that, like super hyper organized. You know, we're moving candidates through the process. Uh, 
at a quick pace. And one thing that we focus on is candidate experience. We, it's, we've developed it like a product. Um, every candidate that gets through our process, it, it is like very, very um, high touch uh, experience. And, you know, they have to be extremely organized and passionate about, about the company, passionate about the mission and have the communication style where they can really, um, you know, exhibit that in those conversations and get them excited. This is a perfect segue, actually, because um, you're talking about candidate experience, how important it is to you. Even earlier, you said it was almost difficult for you to hand over the reins because you really, it was so important that those who um, were recruited in or candidates who were spoken to had that valuable experience. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so you developed an, um, you developed an interview process and you're going to be speaking about that at LAX Tech Recruit in July. Would you tell us about what you're going to be speaking about, what your topic is? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, topic is hiring with a purpose, optimizing the interview process. And uh, this this uh, topic is really going to be focused on sharing some strategies for creating an intentional and effective interview process that really focuses on values and competencies. Uh, so uh, whether you are, you know, a startup with zero recruiting framework or you're a large company with a structure in place, uh, really, hopefully you should receive a takeaway that you can incorporate into your, your team's practices. Um, we have it down to a, a science, um, and we definitely have some areas for opportunity in, um, you know, uh, uh, our, our process, but it really does tie in looking at the entire requisition all the way to offer accept, and then even taking a step further to having like a world-class onboarding experience. Um, that's something that we do really well as an organization, and I'm excited to share a bit about, uh, you know, how it's positively impacted our company. That's going to be a fantastic presentation. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I know when I was in the agency side, uh, recruiters didn't like to share what their process was or, you know, network with each other, and, and so the community that we're building here is just so opposite of that and it's just open and it's like these are process this is what we're doing that's successful and it's really exciting to see that the vibe is just so good there uh, when we first spoke you mentioned there you mentioned a book that um, kind of was this undercurrent um, do you want to share what that was yeah yeah and it's funny it's uh it, this came up in a, a candidate debrief we were just talking about you know our, our talent bar and as we scale ensuring that uh we continue to to hire you know people that are um really going to you know make sure that we're continuing to to get to the next level as a company um and uh our ceo he was on a, a debrief and you know after we chatted he was talking about a book, uh, it's called Principles, and it's by Ray Dalio. He's the founder of uh, Bridgewater Associates. Um, and uh, it has nothing to do with recruiting, uh, but there's kind of uh, some, you know, topics that are very much threaded into how we approach recruiting. Um, uh, so to just give you a little bit of insight uh, into how we um, make hires, uh, we have committees, and I know a lot of companies have, you know, do something similar, um, but we do debriefs, and we have a hiring committee that's typically about uh, five or six individuals, and um, uh, each 
person has an opportunity to make a hiring recommendation. Ultimately, it's, it's the hiring manager's decision. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we don't make every single hire is, is a perfect hire. Um, we, we do our best. Um, but we were talking about uh, uh, kind of, you know, ensuring that we maintain that talent bar. And he brought up this book um, and, and I, I read it. And uh, uh, he talks a lot about something that's called a believability score, uh, something that comes up in your personal and your professional life and really impacts how you make decisions. And um, uh, I have this definition. So the definition of uh, believability is believable people as those who have repeatedly and successfully accomplished the things in question, who have a strong track record with at least three successes and have great explanations of their approach when probed. Uh, so for us, as we you know, continue to scale and grow, there's an opportunity to take it to the next level in regards to our interview panel members. And uh, something that Lever does really well is um, it allows you to actually uh, look at a, a panel member's uh, feedback uh, kind of over time and uh, tie it back to the, the hire that was made. So um, I'm working to partner with our HR manager to look at the performance of uh, team members that we've brought on and then look at interview committee members um, who have scored them either high or low and see if we can find any consistent trends where maybe you know somebody that is uh, on the marketing team has made great hires for people that are in sales but not necessarily in engineering so that we are designing our process to have the most impactful committee members that have the best believability when it comes to those competencies um, so that you know we're, we're continuing to make great hires so that's something that um, as kind of next steps for, for our organization as we build out our process. Want to give a big shout out to our sponsor, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Send your jobs to 100 plus job boards with one submission. As your qualified candidates roll in, ZipRecruiter makes it easy to screen and rate them allowing you to make the best hires. You can try it for free today by going to ZipRecruiter.com and tell them Stacy sent you. Uh, I feel like, so that, that statement, I, I wrote part of it down, but I didn't memorize it, but you memorized it. And I feel like it ties back into the trust thing. <laughs> I was said to, as you were saying it, I said, I should memorize that and post it on my computer and just always have faith in people because you made the right decision based on these key pr principles <laughs> or uh, performances that they've had in the past that they can do the job. Right. I'm going to use that, Candace. I'm also <laughs> going to take a clip of what you just said, and I'm going to put that online because that's, that's great advice. Okay. Personally, I'm really interested in something about you. You remind me of my sister so much. I'm going to show you a picture of her. I'll send it to you. You guys look alike. She's got like the tattoo. You got a tattoo. You probably got more. I don't know. But you have that same sort of like vibe too. And she's an artist. And so it's, I, um, and I was curious, what are you, do you still draw or not really? So I, I was, I, I painted and I did, it, it's called installation art. Um, it's really hard to explain, but if you see like sculptures that are interactive, uh, you know, whether it's um, outside or it's in, a, in an art museum, that's considered to be installation art. And um, in college, I did a lot of video art, so animations, um, but incorporated it into installations that people could actually 
interact with, um, you know, in person. And then I also play music. Um, not professionally. It's, I, I just love, love, love music. And I have an electric guitar. I have a little uh, micro Korg synthesizer that I like to, to play around with. Candace, I really like karaoke. <laughs> Maybe you, we could do a little jingle. We could put something together. Um, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a, a pre-conference event, you know, like a happy hour, uh, the, the night before. So hopefully you're in town, I'm hoping. And um, out in Venice, and I, I wonder if maybe we could do like <laughs> maybe that's like a post-conference thing though, because we don't want to be like blurry-eyed for the for the. <laughs> yeah, post-conference when everyone's nerves are on the floor, and and we can just go 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 enjoy. Oh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun um, for me. Like doing these events, it just. Uh, you know, it, it reminds me of when I used to snowboard and I'm standing at the gate and they say my name and my, and I'm nervous. And then I drop in and just all I hear is the sound of my snowboard and I'm in my zone. That's what conferences and events are like for me. It's like that adrenaline rush. Um, so oh, I was, I was hoping you had like a, a blog or a website, unless maybe you do that. I can see your art. Do you, do you have anything like that? No, it's like all, it's all just like internal these days. Um, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, I'll get more involved in the, my creative side. Uh, I don't know. I'm in Kansas city now and there's a lot of art there and I'm starting to get a little bit inspired. So you never know. I might, I might have something public soon. I feel like, and I've not been there, but from what I've heard, if you, if somebody said to me, oh, Kansas City, I would think, oh, that sounds like, you know, rolling hay and fields and <laughs> boring, but I hear it's just, it's a really exciting city. Were you surprised too? Yeah, yeah. I actually, it was a really unique experience for me. Um, I had the opportunity to go with our co-founders and a couple of other leaders uh, from the company to just check it out. None of us had been there before. We, I was expecting the same thing, to be quite honest. Um, and we landed and like from the moment we were in our lift to every interaction we had with, you know, um, servers, bartenders, uh, the KCADC, which they were really responsible for the pursuit of getting us there. They were like the most friendly people. And it was weird because I'm from Seattle. I don't know if you've heard of the Seattle freeze, but um, this is like the complete opposite of the Seattle freeze. Oh, no. What's the Seattle freeze? It's like, it's the term for like how people interact in Seattle, like don't really want to talk to you, I'm head down, um, okay. it's a real thing there. Um, but in Kansas City, they're all about community and um, connecting you to the right people. I, I, I think I've made more connections in Kansas City in four months than I made five years living in Seattle. And, but you come from that uh, riot girl, art hipster so it it almost feels like seattle would be perfect for you my sister also lived in seattle um and it was perfect for her but um because she's like that art hipster you know and um so but you you you're liking kansas you're liking the you're liking that vibe i'm liking it right now it's, you know, it's good I, right now. i went to school in san diego and then i moved to san francisco and it was night and day. It was living at the beach and everybody's laid back and really friendly. And then in San Francisco, everybody was just kind of serious and wore black. 
And <laughs> I was like, this is, it was, and then I came to Los Angeles and it was just like, you know, Goldilocks of the three bears. It was just right. It was perfect. I love it here. Um, okay. Candace, thank you so much for sharing and, um, and being on our show. I had, I had, uh, reached out, I think to one of your, I think it was your tech recruiter actually. And, and I was like, can you introduce me to your, your head of recruiting? And, and so I finally got the introduction there. So thank you for making time. Thank you also for being part of the LAX tech recruit conference. If our listeners want to reach out to you or get hold of you, should, should they, uh, how could they do that? Yeah. Uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's, backslash Candace J. Taylor. Uh, that, that's probably the best way. Um, I'm always happy to, to connect and, and uh, you know, make time for other talent acquisition professionals. So uh, feel free to reach out. All right. You have yourself a wonderful day and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, Tech Recruit fans, just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you to follow us on Twitter at TechRecruit underscore. You can also find our page on Facebook at Tech Recruit and our group, the Tech Recruit group where all of our speakers and attendees are hanging out and talking about all the topics and things that they learned at the Tech Recruit conference. And we'll look forward to seeing you at LAX Tech Recruit July 18th in Playa Vista, Silicon Beach, and Midwest Tech Recruit in Chicago, September 18th. See you there. You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. My name is Stacey Broadwell. I will be your host. And today we have with us Ms. Candace Taylor. She is the Director of Recruiting at Chow Now. Welcome, Ms. Candace Taylor. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So I, I'm, I'm very interested in what you're doing there at Chow Now. Tell us a little bit about your role and tell us about Chow Now. Yeah, of course. Uh, so Chow Now, we were founded in 2011. We're headquartered here in Los Angeles and uh, just recently opened a regional office in Kansas City. And uh, our mission as a company is to help local restaurants set, as uh, simple as that. And what we provide is online and mobile ordering for restaurants that enable them to streamline their, their takeout business while keeping their brand at the, the forefront. Uh, we also offer branded marketing. Uh, we make it really easy for consumers to order uh, via Facebook. Uh, we've recently integrated with Google as well uh, and uh, provide a, a branded mobile app to, to restaurants so that um, uh, users can uh, order directly from the restaurant and power that on the back end. A uh, little bit about my role at, at Chow Now and the, the director here. I was actually hired on as the first in-house recruiter almost four years ago and uh, have had the honor to basically be handed the keys to our recruiting function. So my job is to ensure that we are developing uh, a really you know, strong uh, recruiting strategy that's going to attract top talent that really exhibits our core values as well as uh, provide a world-class candidate experience. 
I, I love that you were the first recruiter with Chow Now. Um, you've been there four years, you said. So when you joined, were, what, was the what was the catalyst for their, hi their hiring you? Was there a recruiter in the seat before? Were they contracting out? Kind of what did you step into? Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting uh, 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 time to join the company. There, there were no recruiters in-house. Uh, they really did not have any strategy in place in regards to how they hire. Um, I think they had worked with a couple of agencies that were uh, focusing on sales and then, of course, you know, network referrals. Um, no applicant tracking system. They were actually using Podio, which is a project management tool uh, to, to manage candidates. Uh, so uh, basically, my, my job was to do some needs analysis and just step right into both recruiting for every role within the company, as well as starting to build a strategy around how we hire. What an amazing opportunity. I, I see, I, I'm kind of like thinking of how I would step into something like that and you get, they didn't have a system. There was no, they were using a project management tool. So you got to actually bring in a new applicant tracking system. And uh, tell me about like, how did, what, did you bring in something that you used before and you liked, or did you do some research and try to go for something new? What was that like? Yeah, uh, so I've, I've actually always worked for recruiting organizations that are mammoth organizations, um, already have tools in place. I came from Amazon prior to coming into to Chow Now, so uh, we didn't really, we weren't empowered to move the needle when it came to systems and processes. Uh, so this was a new experience for me. I, we identified a, a few different platforms, uh, one of which actually our CEO recommended, which is what we use um, today, Lever. Uh, uh, Lever has a, a female founder uh, from San Francisco. They are really paving the way in regards to how they look at talent acquisition. And it was really just a no-brainer for us. And um, we've been using Lever since October of 2015. So you were, you were at Amazon for several years. Um, and, and I could see that that would be... Um, a, it's such a large company and you're just doing your recs and you're doing things with no like real way to step into having some strategy. And was that something that you, when you made the move, you were looking for you or, and you were kind of searching, like, I wish I had something more meaty. I want to, I want to develop the strategy. I want to make an impact or how, were you looking for that or did it just come to you? Honestly, no, I was not looking for that. Uh, I was I was really looking for an opportunity to to work at a company that you know had a really a really strong mission and strong values that was kind of smaller stage where I could uh, have more impact you know at the executive level. But I I had no idea when I went through the um, interview process that I was going to be the one that was defining the strategy, and I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Uh, but one thing about our company is that our executive team really empowers you to take ownership of the work you do uh, and are there to provide tools to ensure that you know you, you do have the support. Uh, me coming in as the probably the most knowledgeable person in the company about recruiting, they were leaning on me um, and you know they, they gave a lot of trust in me to make the right decisions for the company. And that's a lot of um, uh, pressure, but it's also, you know, it's something that um, being 
at the helm of a company's success in recruiting, you, you don't take that lightly. So um, I've, I've been really thoughtful in my research and how we've approached building a, a recruiting framework. And our CEO, Chris, I, I report directly to him and, and he has um, been amazing at you know uh, giving me this opportunity as I grow. Um, the, one of the reasons I, I originally, I originally reached out to you was because I had seen your job descriptions and mm -hmm. I love them. And I had reached out to you because I said, can I talk to you about how you develop these? And one of my, one of my favorite people, as everybody knows, is, is Lou Adler. I, I, I love some of the strategies he has. I, I feel like he has sets a good barometer. And one of the things he, he says is that you hire performance-based, you hire on performance versus skills. And mm -hmm. this opportunity that I feel you were presented with was one to really stretch your, your and, and have new opportunities and do something more. And, and they entrusted you to do that. It's not something you, you did before, if, if, I, if I'm hearing correctly. And you got this opportunity. So that had to have been, um, I think it's really cool that they entrusted that to you and that you accepted it. It must have been a little nervous or were you excited initially? Yeah, yeah, I was definitely excited. Um, uh, we recently actually just did a, a women's empowerment summit here at Chow Now, uh, where uh, anyone who identifies, you know, as any gender was was invited. It was sponsored by Chow Now. And one of the things that we talked about was imposter syndrome, which is something that We've all experienced uh, not just women, and uh, that was that was a reality, right? You're you're given an opportunity. It's something that you are it's the unknown, and uh, uh, you know I, I definitely felt I'm not equipped to do this, or uh, you know I can't believe they're trusting me to do this. But uh, if you look at almost our entire leadership in the organization, this we're all growing together. Uh, this is some, something that none of us have done historically, and we're leaning on each other. And we have a lot of support within the organization. And we have something called Directors Discuss here that is a, a monthly meeting where all the directors get together uh, just to, you know, share any sort of bottlenecks we're experiencing, challenges, or even if we feel like, you know, we have something that's important that we need to take to the executive table, we're all kind of armed together making that happen. And, and that's how we were able to incorporate our core values as a company. Uh, it was a conversation that stemmed from our, our director's meeting and that the executive team were completely bought in and, and trusted us. Um, so we're all growing together and uh, we have a really low attrition at our company. And I think a large part of that is because our executive team trusts us. I, I love how you identified this feeling I was sort of having this, um, this imposter syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like, were you nervous? Were you excited? This is a new role. And, and why have that? You should be excited. This new challenge, right? And so Absolutely. when you did this empowerment summit was what advice do you give women who are looking to take that next step and looking for this challenge, but they're held back by thinking, oh, that imposter syndrome. Do you have any advice for somebody in that, that position? Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I think that's really important, especially when you're in a, a, a startup environment where you know, maybe uh, you don't have others around you that can really teach you or, or help you understand, you know, what should I do in this situation is find a mentor 
doesn't need to be somebody that's in the company. Find a mentor that's you know outside of the organization that you can look to for for guidance. Um, I know for me that's that's really helped me as I continue to grow. Um, I also think that we we tend to put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the work that we do and focus more on what I'm not doing right when there's so much that that you are doing right. So um, another piece of advice I would have is just write down things that you do that make an impact. For me, I have a, a, a folder in my inbox that's just uh, uh, specific to compliments. And if I'm having a bad day, I'll go and I'll look in that folder. And I have dozens of emails from people that have joined our company that uh, thanked me for, for giving them that opportunity. And that's something that in recruiting, like we are changing lives and it's a really big role to be in. Uh, so that's, that's my piece of advice is just go back to those, you know, those compliments that you've received and it will really pick you up. Those are great tips. So find a mentor and focus on the positive. Have a set of compliments that you can readily get to in the time of crisis <laughs> rather than a piece of pie or something, right? Exactly. <laughs> Those are all really good tips. I, and I love that the company embraces that. Um, so I want to get to that a little bit, but first I want to back up just a moment and ask you, how did you get into recruiting? Was this something that you planned to always want to do? You wanted, you studied human resources or what was your career path like? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I feel like I have never met anyone at least at my age level and above that has said i want to be a recruiter one day um i think it's becoming a more crucial role that uh, uh people i talk to when i'm hiring for my team they, they are like yes I, I knew i wanted to be a recruiter but for me it, it really wasn't as um as, as scoped out as it is today uh, i grew up in the pacific northwest i was kind of a art and music hipster but always wanted to be an artist um uh, surrounding myself with, you know, music. I was very into the Riot Girl music scene um, and studied art, uh, installation art in college and um, never expected I was going to be in any type of HR recruiting role. Uh, my mom was a single mom who uh, uh, really, you know, was kind of tasked to take care of three daughters and she was in HR. Um, and something about my mom is that she just really instilled this like high professionalism and work ethic in each of us that um, I didn't really realize I had until I entered the professional space. And I've always kind of just climbed a ladder um, naturally, not necessarily wanting to. Um, and I think it's really just my kind of my professionalism, the way that I speak to others. I sort of got, I don't want to say pigeonholed, but sort of pigeonholed into recruiting. I, I was working uh, for a staffing agency on the HR side and I was tapped on the shoulder by uh, the, the, the VP in that office asking me to please try recruiting. Um, and that's how I started. I started in the agency space and really loved kind of uh, the puzzle and the research that went into identifying talent for opportunities where in the agency space, you really don't have any insight into the role. You get that one intake meeting and then you're off to the races. Uh, so I realized fairly quickly that I wanted to be in the corporate space where I could actually see the impact of the hires that I'm making, because uh, that's the most rewarding thing to me. Um, and I'm here today. I, I love the work that I do. And, uh, um, you know, I'm still able to, to flex the, the music and the art, uh, you know, creative piece. But this is where I'm meant to be right now. 
Okay, you, you skipped some parts. I'm, <laughs> it, you're at an agency, and mm -hmm. where'd you go from there? To Amazon? Yeah, I went to Amazon. Okay, so tell yeah. me about that. Did you apply? Did they reach out to you? How did, how did that come about? Yeah, uh, so I had actually, I was living in Portland, Oregon, um, and decided that I was going to move closer to family to Seattle. Uh, and I was lucky enough, they, they um, transferred me to the, the regional office in Seattle, and I was um, recruiting for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, through the company I was working for. And uh, I got tapped on the shoulder, funny enough, by an agency uh, to, to, to join uh, Amazon. And uh, you don't say no to Amazon when they call. So uh, I, I took the conversation and, and uh, met with the team. And uh, it was, it was a, a really great opportunity to enter into to the corporate world. So I've heard from other internal recruiters that the, um, the amount of training is like months. It is, it's a lot to consume. I don't know if that's changed or if it's always been that way. Was that the case for you? Um, not necessarily. Uh, they did have, you know, a pretty robust onboarding and uh, the way that they designed their training, it was actually, it was pretty cool because it allowed you to uh, opt in to training. So you could sign up for different uh, training modules kind of on, on your own time because we all have hiring goals that we need to make and it's quick, uh, fast paced. So that enabled, you know, us to really flex uh, our time and make sure that we were hitting our hiring goals while still getting that learning and development. Did you work with, did they separate it like you had a sourcer supporting you and then you were doing recruitment or did you do yeah. freelance? I, so I actually, I was doing just sourcing when I was uh, within the organization. I, I didn't do full desk. Uh, it was designed where you had um, sourcers, you had coordinators, and then you had the client lead. And the client lead was really kind of taking the candidate uh, from like once they get to the um, like the the pre on site and then getting them over the finish line to to offer and I left before I even entered that space and I stepped right into it at Chow now. So three separate roles of the sourcer, the recruiter, and then the client lead. That's it's just interesting. Yeah, it was sourcer, client lead, and recruiting coordinator. And coordinator. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's just interesting because I've kind of been in this space where like just looking at different ways that companies set up their recruitment processes, as you know, I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Um, right. But I find it really interesting when you hit that mark of, okay, we're going to separate the full desk recruitment and split into two and, and just the dynamic of working in that environment and that team together with the source or recruiter. And, um, and then just the sourcing in general, just the research, it's just an amazing, I, I don't, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Dean DaCosta, who's going to be speaking. He spoke at our last conference and he's going to be speaking at the one you'll be speaking at and his sourcing tools, cause he just does sourcing blew me away to just the sourcing role itself. Oh, um, yeah. So. There's definitely a science to it. I, it's, I've met sourcers that can find a needle in a haystack, and it's amazing. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> uh, okay, so so then, you're, then you join Chow Now, and you get this opportunity to make this impact. You, and you came in, did you come in initially as a 
the sole recruiter and you were just doing recruitment and then you, you brought in the, the technologies? How, how did that kind of go about? And did they have the, the expectations set out for you when you first joined? No. <laughs> No, uh, I, they just, they needed someone to, to take, take, to help hire that. I mean, that they were, that was ultimately the role. They needed somebody that was going to help with the hiring. And um, I think they realized pretty quickly when I looked at what they had in place that, 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 that there was a lot of work to do and I was willing to roll up my sleeves and do it. And they were willing to allow me to do that. So um, it, there was no expectation to find. I was actually hired as a sales recruiter and um, I was hiring for, I was the staff recruiter. I was hiring for every role in the company. It's, it's interesting. And we're going to talk about the job descriptions too, because I I have that, I had that thought because if, you know, and I, I I love that stellar job description that says these, this is what's expected or what you'll be doing in the first month the first six months, the first year. And um, if you're a startup and you're like, well, we, <laughs> we need help. I don't know what they'll be doing. We want them to help us uh, figure it out. Um, and, and then what, what do you do in, in that regard? I guess you'll have the skills-based um, uh, you know, job description. So when, like I was mentioning before, one of the things I was most impressed with uh, Chow Now is their job descriptions, how it had that, the, the, expectations for the 30 days, the 60 days. And tell us about, tell us about that. Tell me about your job descriptions and how you put them together. Cause you could probably describe it better than myself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I'll just give a little bit more insight into like uh, the, the, our team, when we made the decision to um, implement these, these job profiles, it was a really lean team. Um, you know, as mentioned, it was, it was just myself um, in recruiting. And then uh, we brought on a head of people, uh, Mike Ganino. He was a uh, restaurant consultant for us. Um, and he does a lot of public speaking coaching. Uh, uh, he joined the, the people and culture team. And it was just the two of us, uh, basically, you know, making decisions about everything when it comes to culture, talent acquisition. And uh, we realized we weren't really getting the right candidates that were coming into the top of the funnel. Uh, you know, we had sort of basic job descriptions, generic laundry list of requirements. Probably many of those requirements weren't actually requirements. They were more, um, you know, uh, uh, deal makers in a sense. Uh, so, so we strategized, you know, how can, how can we make these more impactful and, and how can we really focus on getting talent that is going to uh, exhibit, you know, our core values to, to really keep reaching and uh, uh, to raise the bar within the organization. And um, uh, ultimately, we decided that we wanted to revamp our job profiles to really focus on impact and focus on, on learning and development and also drive how we approach our training, how we approach performance reviews so we can actually set an expectation of this is the impact you're going to make. And uh, we split it into uh, 30, 60, 90, and 12 months. Um, and for me personally, I know that when I'm doing performance reviews or one-on-ones, I can go directly back to that job profile and I can check to see, okay, are they making this impact? If not, am I not providing the training that I should be training? And um, that's really had a, a positive impact on how we drive performance conversations. Um, I read a, st- a statistic, I think it's like 72% of hiring managers say that they're providing clear job descriptions and 36% of candidates say that they're actually provided with them. Uh, so, 
you know, I think being intentional in, in how you write a job profile, it, it really does go a long way. Um, uh, my team, uh, when they jump on those, those uh, recruiter screens, more often than not, candidates are, are calling out our job descriptions and, and telling us that that's what made them click apply. Um, it's a candidate's market, so we have to do everything we can to stand out and make sure that we're attracting talent that's going to thrive. And um, the job description, that is basically marketing the job, and that's where we started. It, you guys did a really good job of that. And it's, I've never, I've never heard that tie-in where you discuss, you have the, it's a, it's the performance review. So when you're actually writing out that job profile, um, you have that long-term vision in mind that we're going to have these performance reviews and we're going to refer back to the job, which makes sense. I mean, as we're talking about it, it just sounds like, oh, well, duh. However, right. I don't, I, I feel that when you join a, 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 a company, oftentimes you can look at the job description and it doesn't really say, okay, we're going to be talking about this later um, and, and being held to that. So I love that. Um, there's also that whole um, idea now where more data is so available to companies and being able to pull that real-time data, whether it's in surveys or in performance reviews into the company to make decisions and going forward, especially with hiring. Um, and, and maybe that, that is a little bit off the top, but I'm curious, do you guys do anything with your performance reviews um, in regards to utilizing that data for hiring? Yeah, uh, so we actually implemented OKRs. Are you familiar with OKRs? Yeah, yeah. We'll tell our okay. audience what an OKR is. Yeah, so it's basically an objective and a key result. And uh, uh, it, it, it allows each individual to be able to, to track and drive their own performance as it rolls up into, uh, you know, company goals. And um, the, the, the job profile allows us to determine what those OKRs are going to be for each team member. Uh, and, you know, really think strategically about how that's going to drive up into those, you know, quarterly and annual company goals. Uh, we use a platform that helps us kind of track progress and empower our team members to actually uh, write their own OKRs, whether they're career development um, or, you know, they're specific to moving the needle in a process or an efficiency, in addition to the OKRs that we set for them. And they can track those along the way. And that helps us drive conversations in our one-on-ones as well uh, to make sure that, you know, we, we are um, continuing to focus and, and move the needle uh, so that we can see our own personal impact as it relates to the company mission and goals. You mentioned a tool. Is it, is it Lever or is it a different tool that you use? Yeah, so we use, it's an employee engagement tool that allows us to, you cut out one second. Did you, what was it called? 15.5. Yes, and 15.5, uh, it's an employee engagement tool that allows you to uh, write performance reviews, uh, allows team members to uh, uh, submit what is called a 15.5 every two weeks so that managers can kind of just check in on not only progress, but just how they're feeling in general, right? If, if somebody's feeling a five out of a 10, that's alarming and we need to get in front of it pretty quickly. Um, and we're moving so quickly as a startup, like just having those, you know, that uh, uh, a formal way to check in is, is really helpful, especially for me because I'm a remote manager and I'm not always there to see how someone's just feeling. Um, 
you know, on the day to day. It also has a, a, a way where you can give high fives. Sounds kind of cheesy, but uh, it's, it's like a social board where everyone can see, uh, you know, when somebody's recognizing an individual within the company. And, uh, you know, when your head's down and you get a 15 or a high five from someone that's not even on your team, it, it definitely, you know, uh, kind of helps you understand the impact you're making. And, and uh, um, we're, we're a very collaborative company. So um, that's pretty normal in our organization to get recognized by people outside of your, your kind of uh, specific team. I'm curious, how often do you, um, how often do you state, is it daily when you, you give what your mood is? <laughs> do you, when no. you sign on, you're like, I'm a four today out of five. No, but that would be interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> this is a moody girl. <laughs> Right. No, uh, that would definitely be interesting. I'm not sure I, that would be hard to manage uh, <laughs> the emotions of five five different people on my team. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's just biweekly. Do you guys use any other assessment tools for personality with with your team? Since we're talking about uh, managing people and their and their moods. We don't. We don't. Um, we, one thing that I learned, uh, we recently did a manager training for all managers, directors, executives, um, and uh, uh, we talked about a social contract, and that's something that um, I've just recently implemented for new members of the team. And a social contract, like, you know, just, just right off the bat with somebody that's entering the organization, getting an understanding of how, how do you best learn? How do you best, uh, you know, get feedback or give feedback? Um, how, how do you like to be communicated with, you know, on the day to day when it comes to like tasks? Because we're all different, and um, I've found that what works for one member of my team does not work for someone else. So just having that transparency early on and having that social contract um, allows us to, you know, um, work together, you know, in a more optimized way. I'm I'm thinking of. Are you married? No. I'm I'm thinking of this book. It's called The Five Love Languages, and oh. it is <laughs> part of it. And I read it. Oh, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. And you know, do you like to be given gifts? Do you like compliments? And then you take a test, and you give one to your husband. <laughs> you take one, and yep. then you know how to communicate better with each other. Um, is it somewhat similar? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we 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 work with the people you know on our team. 40 plus hours a week. So we should probably know how to communicate with each other in a way that's going to be effective. Yeah. You couldn't call it love languages. It had to be <laughs> social. Yeah. Sounds better. We are a pretty touchy feely organization, but we would not go that far. <laughs> um, so are you, are you open to sharing what your, uh, so what your language is? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, for me personally, I am pretty, I'm a very direct person. So, uh, you know, I, I set expectations up front. Um, I also, I, I really, really, if someone's going to be communicating with me, I want them to come to me with what they think is going to be the best decision. And then I'll give, you know, I'll say yes, or I'll give guidance. Um, I really struggle when I have team members that are just constantly, you know, and it's okay. Like there's a, there's a, a point in time where it's acceptable to ask a lot of questions. And I think questions are great, but I also want my team to feel empowered to 
understand what they think is the best solution, right? Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give feedback. Um, and I think that's the best way to learn versus just constantly leaning on your manager. Um, so I, I, I instill that pretty early on. And if I am seeing that, I'll push back and say, well, what do you think you should do? <laughs> that's, um, it's really an interesting, it's an interesting topic because the managing people is so hard, as you know, Candace. And you came in as a sole recruiter and then suddenly you're a manager and mm -hmm. you know, not everybody knows how to manage. And it's great that you guys had that manager training because it just shows your company's investing in your development, your growth. But, mm -hmm. um, was, do you, did you find it was difficult initially managing people and did you kind of need to step back and kind of, you know, absorb training or, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, you know, I've always been the one that's been driving all of the recruiting efforts for the company. So when I brought on our first hire, you know, I was like very hands-on uh, uh, with him and uh, you know, he, 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 he was brought on as a junior sourcer um, and it was hard. It was hard to kind of let go, you know, let go of the, the, the work that you're doing. Um, and it, there was a learning curve for me uh, for that to really trust my team and empower them to make decisions. And I'm still growing in that aspect. And I, I have uh, areas for development for myself, um, but uh, it's been a really good journey and I'm learning how to, 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 to trust and how to empower others and, and really celebrate their successes and, and how it's you know driving success within the company. Um, the trust thing. I'm enjoying this conversation, by the way. Um, I, I think that's my, that's my thing. It's so I own process and mm -hmm. I, I get a lot done and I, mm -hmm. when I've worked internally and I've had a coordinator who screwed up a uh, scheduling or something, I never trusted them again. And I just did it all myself. And that was yep. just me. Cause I, I knew, cause I would, I take um, ownership of something. If it, if it goes wrong, I don't blame people. I, I say, well, I brought them into the, the, um, the manage the project, you know, it's my fault for doing that. It's my fault for trusting them. That's what I always think. And so it's hard for me to trust and let go of, of process. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, happy to hear that I'm not the only one who struggles with that. Um, and that yeah. there's hope. There's hope for people who don't trust. <laughs> yeah, um, there is hope. There absolutely is. <laughs> and I think a lot of people have that mentality. And uh, uh, what I've learned is, like, if, if, if anything, you're only going to stifle someone that, that really wants to grow and learn from you if you don't trust them to, to, to do the work. And we're all going to fail. Like, there, there, nobody is perfect. We're all going to fail. Uh, what I, if, if I see someone continuously failing and not, you know, implementing the feedback, that's another story. But my team, they are high performers and um, they are thriving in their jobs. And uh, it's just, it's been a really amazing, you know, opportunity to step out of that seat and watch somebody else shine. Um, and when you have, you mentioned another sort of uh, dynamic when somebody is constantly needing that hand holding and, and how you can gently push back. And, and there's this fine line between, um, you know, being um, not nice to somebody <laughs> or upsetting or hurting their feelings. And you, you don't want to do that. But at the same time, I have a workload 
and we hired you to do this. You got your training now. Like I, I can trust you to make these decisions and I trust that you'll make the right one. Um, mm -hmm. and you, and you said that you have a gentle way of, or you have a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I I, I'm uh, someone that really focuses on training up front, and I'm going to be very hands-on, you know, in those initial weeks, uh, because I, I don't want a, a member of my team to fail. And as you know, in recruiting, we're business partners, right? We're business partners. We have probably more visibility into an organization than any department, um, because we are working with every single uh, stakeholder within the company. So uh, for me, you know, I, I really uh, uh, share with my team members up front, you have to invest in the relationships. You are not gonna get results without investing in that relationship bucket. So spend time with those hiring managers, get to know them, get to know their personalities, build that trust. And I promise you by doing so, you're going to have a lot more flexibility to you know, uh, recommend a candidate that they might not typically uh, uh, want to talk to, or uh, you know, be an advisor in those debriefs. And if you see that there's a hiring risk, if you have that trust with your hiring manager and you speak up and say, "Hey, I hear everyone's feedback. This is my recommendation," they're going to trust you and they're going to they're going to take that that recommendation. So um, that's the biggest key for me is invest in those relationships, and I guarantee you, you'll see better results. Oh, I like that. Uh, tell me a little bit about your team. Uh, what your what your your recruitment team looks like. Um, what you're leading and kind of what you're challenged with. Yeah. Uh, so right now we have a team. Actually, we've just hired a third recruiter. Um, Congrats. We have. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, I brought on our first uh, uh, team member as a junior sourcer. Um, and honestly, it, I, that was the budget that I had. Um, and as a new manager, it was a you know really exciting opportunity to grow someone that's very entry level in their career uh, to uh, now someone that is making several hires per month that are high performing team members. Um, uh, we have a tech recruiter he was brought on as a sourcer as well and i made that decision because i wanted to make sure that i was able to be very hands-on in how we approach candidate experience so um, i kind of handheld those uh getting candidates over the finish line there was a lot of shadowing uh you know two-way shadowing and um uh, just recently promoted our tech sourcer into a full cycle uh position um, and then we have a recruiter that's joining us in Kansas City that will be a full cycle recruiter as well. Uh, we have a co one coordinator that supports all three of the, the team members, uh, really driving the um, uh, you know candidate workflow, getting them through the pipeline, and driving candidate experience. Uh, a lot going. Are they all on site? Yes. Uh, so uh, the. Uh, there are three on site here in LA and then we have one that will be on site in Kansas City where I, I sit. So uh, dispersed team, but we do uh, morning stand-ups every single day, 10 a.m. where we you know, uh, get on a call, talk about priorities, bottlenecks, announcements, and we're constantly communicating throughout the day. So this is probably one of my, uh, it's one of my panels actually um, at LAX Tech Recruit, even our first one, how to build and scale a talent acquisition team. And mm -hmm. it, 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 was, it was great for the audience 
for two reasons. One, if you are a recruiter, you want to know, well, what are they looking for? You know, what, what, what's the, the best, what's the DNA of a good recruiter? Or what are they uh, agency side? Do they come in house? Um, and then also for the, the peers, the talent acquisition leaders, because they get to um, hear from their peers how they're building teams. Um, so they can also do that. Um, so it's a lot of learning on both sides. But I'm curious, when you were hiring, and you mentioned that you started with a junior sourcer, did you, because you came from the agency side, did you hire from the agency side, or, or were they brand new? Uh, he was fairly new. Uh, he, he had, I think he had done an internship and then had a short uh, uh, role as a recruiter. Um, the company, uh, I think they reorganized or, or had a, a layoff. Um, so he was pretty new from scratch. That was, you know, just training somebody from the ground up. Um, our tech recruiter came from the agency side, and I preferred that. I wanted somebody that had worked in that high volume you know, full desk, uh, well, he actually wasn't full desk, but that high volume role uh, that, um, you know, you're, you're going to be comfortable stepping into a company where, you know, you do have a, a fairly high volume of, of a requisition load. But in respect to what I look for in, in recruiters, it's a very emotional role. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a roller coaster. And we've all been there when you have somebody that is, has ex verbally accepted and then you get an email that they've declined your offer. It's like the most deflating thing in the world. You're back at square one. Um, so you really have to have the recruiter have like extremely thick skin and grit um, and self-motivation. In addition to that, like super hyper-organized. You know, we're moving candidates through the process uh, at a quick pace. And one thing that we focus on is candidate experience. We, it's, we've developed it like a product. Um, every candidate they get through our process, it, it is like very, very um, high touch uh, experience. And, you know, they have to be extremely organized and passionate about, about the company, passionate about the mission and have the communication style where they can really, um, you know, exhibit that in those conversations and get them excited. This is a perfect segue, actually, because um, you're talking about candidate experience, how important it is to you. Even earlier, you said, it was almost difficult for you to hand over the reins because you really, it was so important that those who um, were recruited in or candidates who were spoken to had that valuable experience. Um, mm -hmm. And, and so you developed and um, you developed an interview process and you're going to be speaking about that at LAX tech recruit in July. Would you tell us about what you're going to be speaking about? What your topic is? Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, topic is hiring with a purpose, optimizing the interview process. And uh, this this uh, topic is really going to be focused on sharing some strategies for creating an intentional and effective interview process that really focuses on values and competencies. Uh, so uh, whether you are, you know, a startup with zero recruiting framework or you're a large company with a structure in place, uh, really, hopefully you should receive a takeaway that you can incorporate into your, your team's practices. Um, we have it down to a, a science, um, and we definitely have some areas for opportunity in, um, you know, uh, uh, our, our process, but it really does tie in looking at the entire requisition all the way to offer accept and then even taking a step further to having like a world-class onboarding experience um, 
that's something that we do really well as an organization, and I'm excited to share a bit about uh, you know, how it's positively impacted our company. That's going to be a fantastic presentation. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I know when I was in the agency side, uh, recruiters didn't like to share what their process was or you know, network with each other. And, and so the community that we're building here is just so opposite of that. And it's just open and it's like, these are our process. This is what we're doing that's successful. And it's really exciting to see that the vibe is just so good there. Uh, when we first spoke, you mentioned there. You mentioned a book that um, kind of was this undercurrent. Um, do you want to share what that was? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny. It's uh, it, this came up in a, a candidate debrief. We were just talking about you know our, our talent bar and as we scale, ensuring that uh, we continue to to hire you know people that are um, really going to you know, make sure that we're continuing to, to get to the next level as a company. Um, and uh, our CEO, he was on a, a debrief. And, you know, after we chatted, he was talking about a book. Uh, it's called Principles, and it's by Ray Dalio. He's the founder of uh, Bridgewater Associates. Um, and uh, it, it has nothing to do with recruiting. Uh, but there's kind of uh, some, you know, topics that are very much threaded into how we approach recruiting. Um, uh, so to just give you a little bit of insight uh, into how we um, make hires, uh, we have committees. And I know a lot of companies have, you know, do something similar, um, but we do debriefs and we have a hiring committee that's typically about uh, five or six individuals. And um, uh, each person has an opportunity to make a hiring recommendation. Ultimately, it's, it's the hiring manager's decision. But, uh, you know, we're, we're not, we don't make every single hire is, is a perfect hire. Um, we, we do our best. Um, but we were talking about uh, uh, kind of, you know, ensuring that we maintain that talent bar. And he brought up this book. Um, and and I, I read it. And uh, uh, he talks a lot about something that's called a believability score, uh, something that comes up in your personal and your professional life and really impacts how you make decisions. And um, uh, I have this definition. So the definition of uh, believability is believable people as those who have repeatedly and successfully accomplished the things in question, who have a strong track record with at least three successes and have great explanations of their approach when probed. Uh, so for us, as we you know, continue to scale and grow, there's an opportunity to take it to the next level in regards to our interview panel members. And uh, something that Lever does really well is um, it allows you to actually uh, look at a, a panel member's uh, feedback uh, kind of over time and uh, tie it back to the, the hire that was made. So um, I'm working to partner with our HR manager to look at the performance of uh, team members that we've brought on and then look at interview committee members um, who have scored them either high or low and see if we can find any consistent trends where maybe you know somebody that is uh, on the marketing team has made great hires for people that are in sales but not necessarily in engineering so that we are designing our process to have the most impactful committee members that have the best believability when it comes to those competencies um, so that you know we're, we're continuing to make great hires so that's something that um, as kind of next steps for, for our organization as we build out our process. Uh, I feel like, so that, that statement, I, I wrote part of it down, but I didn't memorize it, but you memorized it. And I feel like it ties back into the trust thing. <laughs> I was said to, as you were saying it, I said, I should memorize that 
and post it on my computer and just always have faith in people because you made the right decision based on these key pr principles <laughs> or uh, performances that they've had in the past that they can do the job. Right. I'm going to use that, Candace. I'm also <laughs> going to take a clip of what you just said and I'm going to put that online because that's a that's great advice. Okay. Personally, I'm really interested in something about you. You remind me of my sister so much. I'm going to show you a picture of her. I'll send it to you. You guys look alike. She's got like the tattoo. You got a tattoo. You probably got more. I don't know. But you have that same sort of like vibe too. And she's an artist. And so it's, I, um, and I was curious, what, are you, do you still draw or not really? So I, I was, I, I painted and I did, it, it's called installation art. Um, it's really hard to explain, but if you see like sculptures that are interactive, uh, you know, whether it's um, outside or it's in a, in an art museum, that's considered to be installation art. And um, in college, I did a lot of video art, so animations, um, but incorporated it into installations that people could actually interact with, um, you know, in person. And then I also play music, um, not professionally. It's, I, I just love, love, love music. And I have an electric guitar. I have a little uh, micro Korg synthesizer that I like to, to play around with. Candace, I really like karaoke. <laughs> Maybe you, we could do a little jingle. We could put something together. Um, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have a, a pre-conference event, you know, like a happy hour uh, the, the night before. So hopefully you're in town. I'm hoping and um out in venice and I, I wonder if maybe we could do like <laughs> maybe that's like a post-conference thing though because we don't want to be like blurry eyed for the for the <laughs> yeah post-conference when everyone's nerves are on the floor and and we can just go 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 enjoy oh it's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot of fun um for me like doing these events it just uh you know, it reminds me of when I used to snowboard and I'm standing at the gate and they say my name and my, and I'm nervous. And then I drop in and just all I hear is the sound of my snowboard and I'm in my zone. That's what conferences and events are like for me. It's like that adrenaline rush. Um, so oh, I was, I was hoping you had like a, a blog or a website, unless maybe you do that. I can see your art. Do you, do you have anything like that? No, it's like all, it's all just like internal these days. Um, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, I'll get more involved in the, my creative side. Uh, I don't know. I'm in Kansas city now and there's a lot of art there and I'm starting to get a little bit inspired. So you never know. I might, I might have something public soon. I feel like, and I've not been there, but from what I've heard, if you, if somebody said to me, oh, Kansas City, I would think, oh, that sounds like, you know, rolling hay and fields and <laughs> boring, but I hear it's just, it's a really exciting city. Were you surprised too? Yeah, yeah. I actually, it was a really unique experience for me. Um, I had the opportunity to go with our co-founders and a couple of other leaders uh, from the company to just check it out. None of us had been there before. We, I was expecting the same thing, to be quite honest. Um, and we landed and like from the moment we were in our lift to every interaction we had with, you know, um, servers, bartenders, 
the KCADC, which they were really responsible for the pursuit of getting us there, they were like the most friendly people. And it was weird because I'm from Seattle. I don't know if you've heard of the Seattle freeze, but um, this is like the complete opposite of the Seattle freeze. Oh, no. What's the Seattle freeze? It's like, it's the term for like how people interact in Seattle. Like, don't really want to talk to you. I'm head down. Um, okay. It's a real thing there. Um, but in Kansas City, they're all about community and um, connecting you to the right people. I, I, I think I've made more connections in Kansas City in four months than I made five years living in Seattle. And, but you come from that uh, riot girl art hipster <laughs> so it it almost feels like seattle would be perfect for you my sister also lived in seattle um and it was perfect for her but um because she's like that art hipster you know and um so but you you you're liking kansas you're liking uh you're liking that vibe i'm liking it right now it's, you know, it's good I, right now. i went to school in san diego and then i moved to san francisco and it was night and day. It was living at the beach and everybody's laid back and really friendly. And then in San Francisco, everybody was just kind of serious and wore black. And <laughs> I was like, this is, it was, and then I came to Los Angeles and it was just like, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. It was just right. It was perfect. I love it here. Um, okay. Candace, thank you so much for sharing and um and being on our show i had i had uh reached out i think to one of your i think it was your tech recruiter actually and and i was like can you introduce me to your your head of recruiting and and so i finally got the introduction there so thank you for making time thank you also for being part of the lax tech recruit conference if our listeners want to reach out to you or get hold of you should should they, uh, how could they do that? Yeah, uh, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's backslash Candace J. Taylor. Uh, that, that's probably the best way. Um, I'm always happy to, to connect and, and uh, you know, make time for other talent acquisition professionals. So uh, feel free to reach out. All right. You have yourself a wonderful day and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Stacey. It was a pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye.